passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to On the Bench. I am your host for this episode, Brendan Sinone, joined by Chris Nee, Zach Blossing, gentlemen, gent, gentlemen. Oh boy! Happy Fourth of July! Bang bang! It's the third of July. Shh, people listening don't know that, unless they're listening to it on the third of July. But fireworks, nonetheless, have started already in the land of Florida State. Before we get to uh, the fireworks of the month and recruiting which seems to be red hot right now I'm gonna make a lot of fourth of july summer puns if you can't tell a little bit of house cleaning first off want to give a thank you to everyone who signed up uh with, with Knowles 24 7 in june it was a promo heavy month and had a lot of uh a lot of interest i think we finished in the top five in the network and subs or right around there so thank you to everyone who's given us a chance people who upgraded their memberships to annual people who our longtime subscribers who have sung our praises. We, we appreciate your patronage. We might patronize you sometimes if you're hand-wringing in June when we're telling you to chill out until July. Nonetheless, we do appreciate the patronage and you guys giving us a chance. Uh, let's see. I want to give you guys a heads up that we'll have it on the bench later this week with FSU GM Derek Gray. I sat down with him one-on-one for about 30 minutes. And frankly, it could have been like a two to three hour long podcast with just all the questions and information I'm trying to gather on, on team building, roster building. But Derek was insightful about the general uh, workings of that. And then finally, more planning purposes. July is going to have ebbs and flows. We'll try to have you pretty well uh, pretty well situated with content here in July, especially here on, on, on the bench and Knowles 24-7. But uh, it's going to be busy start to the month. And then the end of the month, we'll have ACC kickoff media days, which means preseason camps right around the corner. So there may be some dog days in the middle of July, but hopefully not a ton. Uh, finally, a shout out to Chattanooga Whiskey, the sponsor of our podcast, killing it in the bourbon world, rye world, uh, special blends, like any type of whiskey. You can imagine they are trying their hand at it and they're doing an amazing job. The 111 is one of the best values that you can get out there as a cast strength whiskey for sub $50. You can find their bottle and bond. Highly recommend that as well. So Chattanooga Whiskey doing a great job. And then also sponsoring what will be an in-depth buyer Sinone later on this podcast, the... All right, let's get into it, gentlemen. FSU had two commitments this weekend from composite four-star defenders, D.D. Holmes, Ricky Knight. Zach, let's start with D.D. Holmes. Uh, He had a 90.92 composite grade, was ranked 274th nationally in the composite rankings, four-star defensive end uh, from the DMV area, 
Uh, let's start off with a little bit of his uh, background and his recruitment, and we'll get into some of his, his game and, and uh, go into that a little bit further. Yeah, Florida State was the second school to offer D.D. Holmes all the way back in uh, the summer of 2022, and they've kind of steadily recruited him since. Um, things started to heat up between D.D. Holmes and Florida State, really when he took an unofficial visit during the spring. Um, I think he was here for multiple days unofficially, and that kind of you know, put FSU in the mix. And then FSU went to go see him multiple times during the evaluation period um, in May. And I was told at that time that he was the most impressive edge prospect that FSU viewed during that eval period within the 2024 recruiting class. And obviously they're recruiting a bunch of talented guys at that position from all, all over the, you know, Southeast and guy from Washington, D.C. up there at Gonzaga High School, D.D. Holmes, was the most impressive, I was told. Um, and that kind of vaulted him up towards the top of FSU's wish list at that position. And then he makes it in for his official visit at the end of June. And I think that's kind of where FSU won things over with with D.D. Holmes and his family. Um, I think FSU having Jared Verse be his player host the first night of his visit was a huge, huge um you know, winning move by the coaching staff. Uh, that's something that that's, you know, resonated with, with Didi when, when I talked to him um, before he left that Sunday uh, on the last day of the visit. And, you know, it's something that he mentioned to me again um, when I talked to him prior to his commitment to Florida State over the weekend. Uh, yeah. It reminds me a lot of when Jared Verse visited campus and Jermaine Johnson and Kier Thomas were there to talk to Jared Verse about his transfer decision. Um, you know, it's something that that really won FSU that recruitment, um, all, you know, alongside, you know, the other factors. Um, but yeah, I think D.D. Holmes is a great addition. Just wanted to provide some backstory to that. Um, I already shared that on the No 247 message board as well. To add to what Zach just brought up, since Brendan's still muted, and I presume he wanted me to take the baton and run with it. Um, Sorry. He's a guy it's all good. He's a guy that FSU valued a lot since his unofficial in April. And as Zach brought up, they really liked him when they went and did the further evaluation during the evaluation period. You got to remember John Papuchas, his primary recruiter and his future position coach, is a guy that has a lot of ties to the area that he's from. He's recruited that area for some time, well beyond his time at FSU. So he has familiarity with the schools, with the people, the people that are dealing with these kids. So I think they felt like they had a really, really good read on D.D. Holmes. I think they built a very strong relationship with not only the prospect, but also his mother, which probably in the crunch time of making a decision was vital because his mom was going to be a big factor in that. Um, they like him a ton. Uh, when Dylan Stevenson kind of surprisingly committed to Stanford, uh, I believe it was Zach wrote the article about where do they go from here, basically with the defensive ends board, the edge board. And, you know, some feedback that we received that I had in a conversation with somebody was essentially that, they like Stevenson a lot, but like he wasn't at the top of their board. And I asked, well, who is? And the answer was D.D. Holmes. So there you go. They did end up with the guy that they seemingly wanted. Now they still got to add more high school edges. I think it's an important win. Obviously, you still got to sign them and finish off the recruitment. But it's an important win to get a high-level high school edge that they like a great deal. Why do they like him so much? Great mover and bender for his size. Basketball player with good feet. Uh, you, you can go on his huddle and actually watch some basketball highlights of him if you so choose. They believe he has a great deal of upside and potential. And I think Brendan got some feedback from Cam Lemons within the network as well about the upside and potential to believe that this kid is one that's not very close to his ceiling yet. 
but obviously has a plus frame at 6'6", about 250 pounds, very big body edge, who is a good athlete, but does an excellent job of using his length and seemingly has very good instincts. I pulled up his huddle the other day to try to look at his basketball clips, and he either he got he got much shorter and much much wider uh, based on based on the the DD uh, homes I watched. Uh, so some of those are correct in there, and then some must be some overlap of someone else I got in there by accident. It was just little like scrappy gym rat shooting threes. Uh, but I digress. A really good athlete that Florida State is ecstatic to get. Uh, Chris kind of hinted at, at some of his frame and, and some of the movement skills as a basketball player, what he is at six foot six feedback that I got pretty consistently was about the frame and like what he can still grow into. I think he had told either one of you two guys that he's about 250 pounds now uh, up from 240. I, I think what they like so much about that frame, the developmental like aspects kind of blends into what Cam Lemons had heard from uh, one of, one of his coaches, which is, he works really hard in the weight room. He's put a lot of focus into it, especially the last three months as he's starting to kind of uh, dial in on being a football player, right? And so you've seen like immediate rewards already and dividends from from that focus. And then, Zach, I think you've seen him in person most recently, like the frame looks like it could support even more weight. So you're talking about a guy who still has the chance, right, to, to keep adding bulk, correct? Yeah, you cut out a little bit there, um, I think. Um, but, yeah, when I saw him in person, um, a guy that's not, you know, he's obviously a big dude at 6'6", 250 pounds. Um, but I kind of compared him to, like, a, a power forward who's not really, you know, toned um, that much yet. And I think he can put on a good amount of muscle, um, maybe convert some of his body fat to muscle. And I think that's, you know, part of the transition of him getting to the college level and becoming a guy that can contribute we kind of saw, you know, Pat Payton um, maybe it was a little bit different because I think overall they just wanted to put some weight on Pat Payton. But he's a guy that after a year, he was ready to contribute and contribute enough to become the ACC Defensive Rookie of the Year. So, you know, I, I think you hope that D.D. Holmes has kind of a similar trajectory within FSU's program. Um, I think the most positive thing I wanted to bring this up when I talked to D.D. after his commitment was that, you know, I asked him, are you going to, are you still open to other, other schools after you commit? Or are you, are you done with the, the recruiting process? And he told me that, you know, he's locked in. And when he says that he's committing to a school, that means he's going to stay there. So I think that was a really positive um, development um, from when I spoke to him prior to him announcing his decision. There is a understand like a level of like anxiety from the fan base that FSU has the last couple summers gotten pretty good diet, very high end pass rushers from out of state programs and then haven't been able to retain them. Uh yeah. Celtic Falk last year. Trevion uh, Williams the yeah, year before. From Mississippi. So uh, that is something that like, yes, that's going to be in the back of, of my mind as this process continues. That's okay. why I asked for sure. Cause sure. It, you know, everyone's going to be wondering that. So you want to monitor where he's going afterward. If he starts showing up to Maryland games, I think that's just something to keep in mind. But right now, FSU has to feel really good about it. JP has a very good connection to DMV area. Worth noting, uh, if you get back to campus again once or twice more during the season somehow, that's a huge win, right? And then you just got to hold on until until December. So a positive, Yeah, a positive thing for him getting down here, um, which I realized recently, I'm sure it's because of like, the you know, um, like politicians and stuff, but there's a flight that 
that leaves Tallahassee every morning to DC, I believe at like 7am. So I think there's, you know, it's about a two hour flight. So it's not too bad for his family. Um, if they're trying to get down to games and stuff. Uh, there's direct flights out of Tallahassee to places other than Atlanta and Charlotte. It's only not. one a day. And I don't even know if it's every day of the week, but it does exist. It's what he used to fly back up on that Sunday. It's why Zach would yeah, be able that's to what I That's week. what I did when I vacationed there a couple of weeks ago. That's why you guys listen to On the Benches for information like this. It's a minutia that we swim in that makes this podcast so exceptional. Uh, so that's one defensive end taken care of. That's a huge win for Florida State. Really high on his game. I think we have him like as an 88 as a network. Be totally transparent. I think he's closer to 91, 92. Uh, just that frame, that athleticism, some of the upside traits and motor, like he's probably going to continue to get better. Like I think his best football is still ahead of him. Uh, not a great pass rusher at this point in his career. That probably explains why there's a, a lower ranking. But uh, to me, watching him, like that's a four-star all day when you start projecting what he can be uh, at the next level, what he can develop into. Who are some other defensive ends real quick? Chris, I'll throw this to you that we want to look at. Uh, Booker Pickett, I guess, is the first name that comes yeah. to mind. as FSU but- for two. Booker Pickett would be the other end of the spectrum compared to DDD. He's a big-bodied kid, long arm. Booker Pickett, well, lanky, is very thinned out on the frame, explosive, 30 sacks last year. Almost looks like an outside linebacker who's developing into a defensive end. But he is an edge for FSU, always has been an edge. He's setting officials for the fall. I think FSU, Miami, Ohio State are a couple names to know off the bat. It will be interesting because Ohio State's starting to load up on D linemen right now. Uh, Miami, because there's family ties with Pickett, has always been mentioned. But truthfully, Booker B.J. Pickett has not gone out of his way to kind of mention Miami. So we'll see how that transpires as Miami's board loses some names if they make more of a push with him and what kind of hold they can have with him. Other names I would mention, L.J. McCray, FSU was early on him, long-term relationship, but they did not get him on campus in June. That is concerning. I would say it's trended away from FSU with regards to where they once stood in his recruitment. I think a school like Georgia has definitely made a move. Can't dismiss Florida there. He's been on that campus a lot. Those are a couple of schools I would mention with him. Uh, Cam Franklin's another guy. He's kind of, in my opinion, a bit of a long shot slash pipe dream at this point with FSU. I feel like he's more likely to stay in state with the Mississippi schools or potentially go to Miami, Tennessee, or Auburn before FSU would probably be up. FSU really needs to get Franklin on campus again. He is somewhat of an impressionable kid who visits do kind of sway but Miami's done a good job of being the non-regional school, the one that's a little bit further away from home for him, of doing a good job and getting him on campus. And then Elias Williams, he's a bit more in that eval bucket. Uh, he's a kid they had at the elite camp in early June. They intend to have him back on campus at the end of July. I don't think Elias Williams long-term is probably an edge. He's probably an interior guy, but he is a guy that they're looking at as a defensive lineman that can help fill the need for more high school bodies in those rooms. Yeah, I will note a name I picked up uh, in recent days and a guy that we saw uh, in camp during June is Tyshawn Reed out of Lee County or Colquitt County. I mean, um, teammates with Landon Thomas. He's a Duke commit right now, but he's a 6'4", 215 pound edge that FSU is evaluating. And I think they want to get him probably on campus at the end of the month um, trying to eval him a little bit more. We saw him at the big man camp in person, right, Chris? Yeah, he's kind of in that mold of uh, similar to Booker Pickett to a degree where he's kind of very thinned out on a lanky frame. I think the biggest question with Tyshawn that I had after watching him, and he performed well that day that he was at FSU's event, was just how big can he get? Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember thinking watching him in the frame. I was like, oh, I, I thought he was like a 2026, 2025 kid. I thought he was an underclassman still, um, just watching it at a cursory glance there. Um, anywho, let's uh, let's move on. Well, before we move on to to the second defensive back or se- second defender who committed to Florida State, and spoiler, it's a defensive back. Uh, Zach, where do you where do you think Chris is recording from right now? Can you paint a picture for the audience of of where he's at right now? A remote log cabin. It's very dark and dingy in there. Um, the cabin looks very close, like the roof looks very close to his head. If I didn't know any better, I think Chris was in some sort of trouble, but I think he's just on vacation. I'm safe, guys. I promise. It's God. actually a very nice little cabin, but it is a tiny little cabin. Excellent. Excellent. Love hearing that you're on vacation after a hard-earned uh, or hard-working June, much, much well-earned. Uh, okay, let's talk about the second defensive commitment that FSU got on July 1st, and that is Ricky Knight. Four-star athlete, technically per the rankings, but a defensive back for FSU with an 89.29 composite ranking, making him a three-star, or excuse me, four-star, 402nd nationally per the composite. So he's from the Palm Beach County area, just transferred schools from Benjamin School to Cardinal Newman. Uh, So he will be there with his cousin and FSU target. Kevin Levy. Uh, Zach, let's talk a little bit about Ricky Knight, his recruitment, and then we'll kind of get into the eval and, and then finally the DB board. Yeah, I mean, this was his recruitment all sparked up in January. Um, he had no offers entering the new year, um, but he goes and attends the National Combine um, in San Antonio, the you know All-American Combine, which 24-7 Sports helps run. He wins, I think, defensive MVP there because he had nine interceptions in one day. And then he went and um, apparently recorded a pretty fast time in a seven-on-seven tryout. And on that day is when I think six offers came in. And the first school to offer was Florida State, which I think played a large role in how this recruitment unfolded. Um, FSU got Knight on campus three times unofficially prior to his OV at the, um, the June 16th through 18th weekend. And on that weekend, you know, I put in a crystal ball for, for Ricky Knight to end up, uh, you know, a seminal. I, I think, you know, after talking to Ricky and, and talking to some sources surrounding his recruitment, it sounds like he gave indication to FSU that weekend that he was coming. But he still wanted to take his OB to Miami the next weekend just to make sure um, Miami is a school that was leading on the 24-7 sports crystal ball for Knight heading into his FSU OB. That obviously switched afterwards, but they are a school that he that he definitely valued a lot. And, you know, my, it's not like Miami wasn't pushing for him. They were definitely trying to land him, um, especially after that official visit. Tough, tough stretch for Miami, huh? Yeah. Um, but you know how these things work. You know, they'll, they'll land some guys and, and you know, other in-state schools will struggle. It's just how the, the troll cycle works um, for the big three. But, uh, but anyway, yeah, so Ricky Knight ends up committing to Florida State. Um, I was told, or he told me again, that that he gave word to Mike Norvell earlier in the week that he was committing, um, you know, just to reassure things after taking the Miami OV. Norvell was pumped, of course, and, you know, FSU beats out an in-state rival, along with Illinois, another school that he, that he officially visited in June for um, the defensive back out of uh, West Palm Beach. All right, Chris, uh, your thoughts on Ricky Knight's game? I believe you're you're a pretty big fan. Yeah, I think he's got a great mix of smarts and just general aggressiveness and knowledge of how to play the position. Athletically, I don't think he's off the charts, which is probably why his ranking is where it is at. 
I don't think he's a bad athlete. I don't think he's an exceptional athlete. I think he's just a good athlete. But I absolutely love the way the kid plays football. I love his competitiveness in all settings. I love the way he goes about his business. I think he's extremely football smart slash common sense smart when it comes to like understanding the knowledge of football. And I just, I like him. I've always kind of liked the makeup of him. I, I liked him the first time we dealt with him when he came to visit early in the process. I enjoyed when I watched him at the Under Armour camp where he performed really well and earned high earners at the position for how he performed on that day. Uh, you know, got a little knowledge of some of the seven on seven stuff with him because of the people he's tied to with regards to that. I think he's got, if you're putting together a large DB class and he say he's your third or fourth guy in that class, I think he's an exceptional good third or fourth guy in your class. Alrighty. So I, I'm with you, Chris. I think if you have him as a third or fourth guy in the DB class, that, that pretends to pretty good things. I like his versatility, right? I think he's some of the FSU views as a cornerback starting off, but I am really intrigued by him as a nickel corner. He's about six foot, but the arm length is closer to that of someone six two, which kind of fits into the mold of them wanting to get a little bit bigger, a little bit longer at every single defensive back spot, better attacking forward than he is like turning and burning uh, in my estimation. So again, I think that points to either some nickel stuff where he's being really active in the perimeter uh, defense game, or maybe even a, a safety if he grows into that from a weight perspective. I think we have him ranked as a company at 24-7 sports at 87. I think the composite again was like 89 and change. I think that's kind of the sweet spot somewhere around there. Makes the most sense uh, of where he is. Not a super like high upside guy to me, but I also think someone who reminds me of like kind of like a, I guess a, a thicker, bigger Kevin Knowles maybe is, is how I would look at his his game. So if you're able to give Kevin Knowles a, a little longer wingspan, uh, that's probably kind of what, what you're looking at. By the way, pretty good chance I think Kevin Knowles plays safety for Florida State this season or cross-trains it at a pretty good deal. He did some of it at the end of last year. I think he'll be there at a, at a more uh, permanent capacity uh, this upcoming season. But but I, I digress. So that's Ricky Knight is added to the board. Zach, uh, how many defensive backs do you think will be joining him? and joining the current class they have with him and C.J. Hurd. I'm going to set the over-under at three. I thought, or I'd go over on that. Hmm. So heavy, heavy uh, DB board right now. Yeah, I mean, I think they're going to go up from, they're going to be around like six or seven, I think, in total. Yeah, so as you mentioned, C.J. Hurd's already in the boat. He's a big safety. Some people think he might grow into a linebacker. I don't think he will. I think truthfully will probably slim down a little bit and stick at safety. Uh, other guys that were on the board that recently came off include Ricardo Jones and Jameer Grimsley. Jones committed to Clemson back on June 27. Grimsley committed to Alabama on July 1st. The board itself, as it stands right now for FSU, the conversation starts with Charles Lester, expected to decide on July 28th. At this point, I believe we all have crystal balls in for FSU, and that's where the crystal ball heavily leans. Alabama, Colorado, a couple others. Georgia are also in the mix here, but he didn't take an official to Georgia. So we're kind of dismissive of them at this point. Uh, most likely to commit in the very near future, Verdarius Red Morgan, set to decide on July 4th. Uh, I know that I entered a Chris Ball. Will Fong entered a Chris Ball. I believe Zach did. I don't know about Brendan. All for FSU here in recent days. Red Morgan is a safety all the way. We usually kind of refer to defensive backs when FSU is recruiting them as just that, defensive backs. But in Red Morgan's case, you can't watch the video and think he's anything but probably a safety. Oh, Maybe a nickel. Maybe a nickel, but almost certainly a safety. He's a downhill, hit you hard kind of kid. 
little bit of coverage on there, but not a whole lot to take away from that on, on the film. But he is a guy that since March when Adam Fuller offered him during an on-campus visit that they valued a great deal and they really, really like. I think he's a personal favorite of Adam Fuller's from what I can gather. Some other names, local Ashton Hampton, supposed to take an official to FSU later in the process right now. That's sort of a FSU-Clemson with Arkansas kind of thrown in a mixed battle. Jamari Howard, he's been very open about his interest in NIL. He's in no rush. His recruitment, I think, will be a little bit all over the place going down the stretch. I don't think he's in any kind of rush to decide. Yeah. I think he's one of those kids that's going to negotiate throughout the process. FSU wants to get him in. Well, all Dade County kids, for most of them, they want to get him in later in the process because, you know, those are the recruitments that are usually the most wild. Because it's Dade and, County. Yeah. And I think uh, I think you'll see Jamari Howard either do like a like November game visit for like the Miami game or like a December deal. Real, real quick before we get to the DB stuff, how many – who do we believe is going to OV – for the Miami game in, in November. I mean, I think there's a chance of Booker Pickett. Um, he's mentioned that when we talked in June. KJ Bolden has mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't shock me if like JoJo Trader and that whole bunch, whoever you can get from that bunch, you know, him, uh, Zaquan Patterson, the other Jeremiah Sean Watkins, Jeremiah Smith. I think guys of that group who will take an official to FSU, I think the goal is probably to take it then. Um, so that's shaping up to – I, I want us to like write about this or do something more, put pen to paper on it. Cause I think it's an interesting development with one, it being a Miami game in November, right? Like that's pretty great in terms of what the atmosphere is going to be. FSU seems to be putting its eggs into that basket uh, for official visits rather than something earlier in the season for the most part. And then isn't the recruiting calendar potentially changing a little bit to where getting someone into November might be significant. There's that been talk been... of moving. Go ahead, Zach. Well, I was just going to say that hasn't like become like, you know, official. something that's official yet. But yeah, there's been talks about moving up the, uh, what is it, the when guys can start. Um, the yeah. early signing period of the third Wednesday in December, there's been talk of moving it up potentially to the very end of November. Yeah. Which and that's part of the reason crazy. we saw the summer surge of more and more officials than we've probably ever seen during the summer months, not just from an FSU perspective, but from a national perspective. I don't think that's going to happen, though. That would be absolutely absurd because you're basically saying that schools have to, you know, they'd either have to extend the, the you know, contact period where they're able to go out on the road and you know talk to recruits and do in-home visits and they would be doing that during their you know yeah game weeks which would be absurd and then you're hosting all your official visitors for the last part of the cycle on game days and what if what if you're away for the last three games or yeah three games of the season like, what are you going to do then i presume the timeline for actually deciding upon that is early august like very early august yeah um i am with yeah i don't think it's something that you can do kind of on the fly without revising the calendar further than just moving that date because yeah. there's a lot of logistics that go alongside it. Um, it's getting be back to you do like next year or something. Getting back to Brendan's it. point about recruiting dates in reality for FSU, they have an event on July 29th, which will be a significant recruiting event, but their next significant recruiting event, like big time one, I expect to be the Miami game. Do I expect kids in during the season prior to that? Certainly. But I just think that's kind of how they're building it up is it's, you know, they had June where they had to rush, including the very last weekend, which was very big for them from an official visit standpoint. End of July event, Miami, and then, you know, depending on how the calendar works out and who's still there and, you know, who's still on the market versus signed, if they were to move the date up, probably a late December event would be your next one. Yeah. And I, the only other 
OV that's scheduled in the season for another game besides Miami is LJ McCray for Virginia Tech that I know of. Yeah. Yeah, Ashton Hamptons is in December, and he's yeah. like the only other real one. There's a lot of guys that have mentioned it. Like Tamir Hickman-Collins is a kid who I think is leaning towards taking an official here, but to my knowledge, it's not been set up, and you know we don't know yet. But in talking to him, he talks to Randy Shannon regularly, linebacker from South Carolina, for those not familiar. And he's mentioned the likelihood that he does get here for an official at some point during the fall. Okay, so those are the players that FSU has brought in so far. A little bit of a deep sigh, uh, a breath of fresh air for Florida State after June was a, a little muggy, right, in terms of the message board and, and people. 75 commitments or days without a commitment. 75 commitments. Um, but they did so much heavy. Like my point always was that. FSU did a lot of its heavy lifting already in the spring. Like you secured commitments from Landon Thomas. You flipped him from Georgia. You secured uh, guys who were already committed and Luke Cromanhawk, who I'll get to in a little bit in his ascension, uh, Cam Davis, like some of the most important foundational pieces in your class that you had done early, which is awesome. Like Chris has talked about like you're ahead of schedule right now. So now you're filling in like the gaps and June has always been a good month for them in terms of that, leading to commitments like in the coming days or weeks. Uh, and so I guess I never quite understood. I got that there were people who were upset that Florida was doing so well coming off of a, a poor season um, it, while FSU was quiet. But like, I think Mike Norvell has bought himself a level of cachet, like incredibility as, as a recruiter and as an evaluator, and, and most importantly, as a roster builder, right? Like, I think that that is something that, deserves a little bit of patience and that's not to say you can't point out a trend or something that that doesn't feel right to you like as a as an analyst for, on our end or as you know fans it's well within your right to do so more so i'm looking at it big picture and trends of like it is getting better gradually and i i guess i i always assumed that they would do well after the official visit final official visit weekend in june and as we get to this place in july two commitments already July 4th, let's transition to that and talk about what it could be for Florida State and who's on deck. Uh, Zach, do you happen to have a list of the guys who are committing on the 4th of July that that are considered FSU targets? Yes. Um, there's four guys that I know of right now that are for sure committing on July 4th. And those guys are four-star receivers, James Madison and Elijah Moore, three-star defensive back, Red Morgan, who we talked about earlier, and then four-star tight end, Kylan Fox. Byers Sinone sponsored by the Turner, the Turner Group. Group. FSU gets at least two commitments on July 4th. Bye. Bye. Okay. Let's talk about who we have crystal balls in for right now, who we view to be the most likely commitments for Florida State. Uh, do you want to start off with the – let's go with Elijah Moore because uh, I'm a big fan of his game. Uh, I just put in a crystal ball this morning. You two already have balls in? Could yeah. You I put one in on the the day of the wrapping of the official visit. Um, I believe it was right after the exit interview. Uh, when he was in the stadium, for what it's worth, the war chant was blaring. That seemed to be a little bit of a thing that day where they were doing that with a little fun. But Elijah Moore didn't really hide his thoughts when he came out the building and did the interview, which Zach was heavily involved in. So I'll let Zach paint that picture. Yeah, I mean, I asked him, like, we already talked about this, but I asked him, you know, Ohio State still led for him because that's what he had been saying heading into the FSU official visit. He goes, no, Florida State's now my number one school. And, you know, 
my my decision dates July 4th stay tuned so I mean he reiterated that like four times throughout the interview so it was like Chris said he didn't really you know hide his emotions for how how strong he was feeling about Florida State after the OV and I still feel pretty good about where FSU stands there heading into the the uh, decision announcement on the fourth we believe that I want to spend a little bit of time on these prospects that we think could commit because I'm not sure if we'll do a post-commitment on the bench, given that it's going to be on July 4th. But if they do get Elijah Moore, like we're the belief that he is a take for Ohio State. Like this, Mm -hmm. in the headline, we would say FSU beats out Ohio State for Elijah Moore and feel like that's not fluffing it up, right? You're going to have Buckeyes all in your mentions. But yes, uh, we believe he's a take for both schools. Uh, I personally, the hands, I can't get away from it. I feel like Dane. But the hands blew me away on the visit. His hands are huge. Like it was mind blowing seeing it in person how large his hands are. I do like his film a lot. He's a kid that's performed well both on the field and at recent events like OT seven that he was at prior to the FSU visit. He's just a big athletic kid. I you know hat tip to Ohio State. Um, they can recruit receivers out of Wazoo. They're unbelievable at recruiting that position. If they value a kid, probably not a miss. Like in the sense of like an evaluation. I'm pretty sure his broad jump, based on some of the information that's been passed on to me, would be like in the 95th percentile of the NFL combine, Damn. which isn't the end-all be-all. The vertical jump, I think, is like about 30 inches, which is for a high school uh, senior. Like, that's fine. Like, that's 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 solid. But then you factor in that his, his weak spans is absurd. He has huge hands. He's six foot four, 200-plus pounds. Like, there, there become a lot of uh, – Chris, get ready for this – a lot of boxes that are being checked when you talk about a, a big outside receiver. Uh, he fits that role very well. I think it'd be a huge win for Florida State. I've heard Ricky Knight say checking the boxes more often than Chris recently. There's a reason I love Ricky Knight. I mean, let's be honest here. During the post-official visit uh, interviews, Chris and I were asking some questions, and I think I asked the final one, and it was he gave some answer of like, "Oh, the FSU checked all the boxes" or something like that. He's used to check all the boxes about FSU, and Chris whispers to me. Good thing this isn't being recorded. Chris whispers to me, he goes, his last two quotes were the best. Go write about those. <laughs> you don't think using check all the boxes is a great quote, but well, sure, buddy, I get it. It's an inside joke at this point, and you love it. I get it. I get it. Um, anyways, we feel good about Elijah Moore entering uh, as we do this podcast on Monday, July 3rd. Uh, we feel good about a commitment for Florida State on July 4th, or at least Florida State leads. Uh, that brings up interesting discussion on James Madison, who's also deciding on July 4th. He's ranked technically a little bit higher than Elijah Moore. Like Elijah Moore is 89.04, James Madison 89.71. Uh, and James Madison is not the James Madison, but James Madison II uh, is from down in South Florida, plays at St. Thomas Aquinas, but he's originally from the Midwest. And Missouri is well in the mix for him. I think FSU and Missouri are the two finalists. I'm pretty sure and we'll see. I don't know if anything like has become officially like decided on his end or not right now, but if FSU does get Elijah Moore in this class, I don't know how much more room you have to add another big body wide receiver. Like you already have commitments from Camden Fryer. You have BJ Gibson. You currently have Tawaski Abrams. Uh, we'll see. Lewayne McCoy. And Lewayne McCoy, who also like UCF's pushing there, but you're also in the mix for some blue chip guys too. Right. And, and so if there is some attrition in this class, maybe like you can take both big wide receivers, but with their skill sets being kind of uh, replicated and me personally, like if I had to pick one or the other, I would take Elijah Moore. I just, I don't, I don't know that he's going to pick Florida state. And I don't know that he would definitively be a take right now. I don't know that. So um, 
you know, if, if James Madison does pick Missouri on July 4th and you have fans or friends who are Florida fans or Miami fans trolling you, try to let it roll, roll off the back. I, I don't, I don't know that you need both of them in this class. Now, if you don't get Elijah Moore and you miss on James Madison, then all of a sudden you can reevaluate and say, oh, maybe we, we, we need one of these guys. Right. But anyways, uh, moving on to Red Morgan. We talked about him. think you guys are big fans. I am as well. Definitely a prototypical safety as much as I'd like to make fun of Chris and tease him a little bit. Final one, Kalen Fox. Uh, you talked about him already in a previous episode, uh, Zach. So I don't think we have to get in there a ton. Nothing really much has changed unless you want to add something. But No, I'll just add that I that I checked on it actually this morning and I was told literally nothing has changed in that recruitment. So okay. I still expect it to be uh, UCF. I just wanted to make sure, right, yeah. with the movement coming up yeah. tomorrow. Um, I still expect his uh, – his commitment tomorrow to to be to UCF, I do not expect it to be to Florida State, which we have you know said since the the final day of his official visit. That is all we know in terms of like scheduled commitments. We'll see if FSU has any other like fun surprises to roll out. Um, guys who are like commit watch, I guess type of guys, ones with multiple crystal balls. Jonathan Daniels, the offensive tackle from Pensacola. Uh, let's see. Kevin um, Levy has a date set. And that's not set, but yeah, he's told me that it could July. be on the uh, July 15th. And then Mackay Danzi is another one that has multiple FSU crystal balls. Brendan, stop, you know, flexing. and. Oh, I'm moving. I'm sorry. I'm standing here. I'm Thank running. you. Um, yeah, Mackay Danzi has multiple uh, crystal balls logged. Um, I don't think his is going to be on July 4th. I think his could be a little bit later from what I'm hearing, um, but I don't think that's set in stone yet. So I communicated with John Daniels earlier in the week, asking if he intended to announce on the fourth. He said no, that he was working towards the top four, and he actually intended to announce this the next day. He never went about announcing that. Um, we'll see. Maybe he drops the top four tomorrow. Maybe he surprises us with a commitment. I think that one's fairly done to FSU, to be honest, but we'll see if it comes about. Uh, talked to Zion Reagans. This is on the site. Reported a little bit earlier this morning. July 18th is the plan there for the – Five foot nine speedster wide receiver, Oklahoma and Georgia being the other finalists with FSU. I think right now I'd lean towards OU, but I haven't done a ton of digging on that one. Sorry, Willie just ran into the room and I wanted to give him a hug real quick. Now he's leaving the room because he doesn't like it when I podcast because I get too loud during it. So I think we're at Byers Sinone. We are at Byers Sinone. Who's it sponsored by, gentlemen? The Turner Group. The Turner Group, Colin Amy Turner doing an amazing job buying, selling homes, helping you navigate that oftentimes complicated process, making it as easy as possible. They're located in the Central Florida, Orlando, Winter Park area to be specific, uh, but they can help you being under the Keller Williams umbrella throughout the entire state of Florida. And specifically, like I think this is an amazing time to look at, at the resources they can provide. If you have uh, If you have kids who are about to go to college and that are looking at maybe renting or, or uh, finding like an apartment or renting out like a home and sharing it uh, for, for the upcoming semester. They can help you find a way to kind of pull your money, make it actually work for you and become something that is a, a more of an investment opportunity than say you're just throwing money away blindly as, as a renter. So, uh, and they can help you out specifically like very, very well in both Gainesville. I don't think we have a lot of Gainesville parents listening to this as well as Tallahassee. Uh, you can reach out to Colin and Amy Turner at 407-403-8546. Email them at getstarted at the turnergroup.com. Seriously, even just an email, 
exploring the potential uh, buying to rent option uh, would probably be well recommended for you to look if you can actually make some money off of your kid going to school rather than the opposite. So let's get going on buyer Sinone. You would take Elijah Moore over James Madison. Uh, I already said that that was a buy for me, Chris. Uh, I think I'd lean more. I like them both, though. I don't want to come off as um, demeaning to James Madison just because I think that might be trending in his direction. I think they're both very talented. But I think Moore has a little bit more of a physical freakness to him. Jack, if you unmute yourself, I think that'd be the ideal way for people to hear what you're oh, saying. Oh, I forgot about that. Um. Anyway, yeah, I, I would buy that that I'd want Elijah Moore over James Madison. I just think that if you're getting a, you know, big body receiver like that, you, I like what Elijah Moore does on the football field more than James Madison. Um, with no pun size. intended. Right? I think, uh, yeah, more. I think, I think Elijah Moore is just exactly what you want out of a guy that's listed at 6'4", 190 pounds. Um, he does everything right um, with, with the receiver at that size. And, and I think um, it's a green flag that Ohio state was willing to take him. All right. Byers Sinone. This is coming off of news that KJ Bolden will be making his decision on August 5th, five-star athlete, uh, a safety, but listed as an athlete from up in Buford, North Georgia, North Metro Atlanta area has been to Florida state recently on, on official visit, Georgia, Ohio state are considered the front runners right now, but, I digress. Byers Sinone, if FSU makes the college football playoffs, they will get K.J. Bolden in this class. I'll Sinone that. I think he goes to the two you mentioned, one of the two you mentioned. Right now, I'm, I've got a crystal ball in for Georgia, but I'm not dismissive of the Buckeyes in that one. I'm buying it. What? You're saying if they make the playoffs, right? If FSU has a remarkable season and in yeah late November, they find themselves securing a playoff spot. Yeah, I'm buying December. that. I think the recruiting momentum, if they make the playoffs, is going to be, you know, the most we've seen in the Mike Norvell era um, at FSU. And and I think K.J. Bolden, as a Florida State fan, a guy that grew up rooting for the school, I think FSU is going to have some late momentum. And that's kind of how they're setting it up. They're setting up that recruitment to where, you know, they want to host him for an official visit later on in the process where all the, all the other schools have kind of burned all their OBs. Um, throughout the month of June, FSU got him on campus unofficially for multiple days in June. They might not win out in this recruitment right away, but I think they're making up ground and they're kind of playing the late game with KJ Bolden. I'll do you one better, Zach. I think if they start off four and oh, they'll get him because at that point, I think you would have had enough turnaround, like not even turnaround because you're beating Clemson and LSU. Yeah, you'll have enough to where you're probably catapulted well into the top five, probably top three or two nationally at that point. Two marquee wins, and yeah, I think you're probably securing a lot of commitments, like from not just KJ Bolden but other guys on the board. If you uh, have that proof of concept to build off of last year, then you prove yourself to be a legit national title contender. Um, but we'll see. I mean, you're talking about we haven't we collective we uh, this trio here haven't covered a ton of five star recruitments. Uh, recently, Chris has plenty in, in his career, uh, but this is something that's kind of new to us. So timelines and, and flow is something that we're going to be like adjusting to and learning as as we are uh, reporters in this uh, domain. Uh, but I, yeah, I think I lean with Chris like in terms of like what August fifth. Like I wouldn't push 
past like Ohio State and Georgia, like those are probably two favorites. But I also wouldn't be shocked if Florida State somehow snuck in there. Um, I just I think Florida State's positioned itself well. I think it's more of a long game, but like I am interested to see what he decides on August 5th. I think that will be fun to monitor. Um, FSU's doing a good job chipping away there. I think it's the best way to put it. All right, let's get into some of our Knowles 24-7 listener questions, subscriber questions. Uh, All right, uh, first off, a, a little scolding here. There was like a bunch of like, will FSU finish with a top five class? Will FSU finish with a top 10 class? Will FSU have two defensive coaches leave? Will FSU have 1.5? We get those every single time. I know that's what you guys want to talk about. So I do want to park it there and like talk about the, the class ranking stuff that is of interest to me. But just be mindful if we've talked about it before and not a whole lot has changed in the last month or so. There's no need to keep going over it. I want this to be useful and fun for everyone listening uh, and have like new topics consistently. So anyways, K McLean one two two seven as buyers to known FSU finishes with a top ten recruit recruiting class this year. I've been on the buy side of that. That doesn't change for me. They're sixteenth nationally as we record this today. I think they'll be pushing top ten. They'll be in the fringe there. Uh, Zach, I know you've been nine to twelve range before. Did the last couple of days make you feel any better about that? Not really, because those are guys that you know I expected FSU to land. And you expected Didi Holmes? Yeah, I I put him in the. After the OV, I put him in the, the group that F, I believed FSU led for for him. Okay. Um, no, I think uh, I think you know with all the guys that they're expected to to possibly land within the month of July, I think they're going to be pushing into the top ten, and then they're they're going to be big game hunting, and that's going to ultimately determine where the class ends up. Um, if they can land some of those big fish later on in the process that's going to vault them up into the the top 10. If not, then we're going to see them, you know, outside of the top 10, I would think. So you're synoning it for now though. Correct. Chris, I think, I think Zach's explanation explanation is very good. I'm in the eight to 12 range. So can they finish top 10? Yes. I don't think it's a certainty though. Moving on to JJ H10 buyer Sinone, Luke Cromanhawk will end up being a better quarterback prospect than Jameis Winston. Before we start rolling our eyes and laughing, hang on, Chris. I know I, I had the same reaction you did, but I'm going to provide some context before you respond. I, I did a chuckle and eye roll as well. Jameis Winston had a 97 grade out of high school. He was a number one dual threat quarterback in, in the nation. That's back when we had dual threat and pocket passers separated. And he was the 26 overall prospect. Luke Cromanhaw coming off of a very impressive Elite 11 performance for 24-7 sports. Now, uh, one of the other rival networks uh, does not have him ranked quite as highly as most other uh, ranking services do, uh, but per 24-7 sports, Restar. per 24-7 sports, he has a 96 grade currently. Jameis Winston had a 97. Luke has a 96 going into the season. Luke is the number three quarterback overall, 33rd prospect overall. Jameis Winston was 26. So it, it feels like a crazy question uh, on the hoof, but then you start researching it and like, it's not that far off. So let's evaluate it. Will Luke Romanhawk ultimately be a top 25 prospect nationally? I think it's the way to frame it. Also known. I think he's going to settle in right about where he is now. Top 25. Can I say top 32 for a five-star? No, then he wouldn't be better than Jameis Winston as a prospect. Also known it. I think he's going to be, he's going to end up a five-star, but he's not going to be a top 25 kid. I also know it as well. Damn, I was hoping one of us would have a spicy take. I think he'll probably settle into where he is now. This is from Fake Momentum. Byer Sinone. Dane Draper could go to the Penn State wideout game shirtless and perfectly blend in. 
<laughs> Dane's not near as white as the video made him look. That's that's all. I'll send on that. A little bit of a, I'll buy it. A little bit of a sneak preview into some content that we'll do in mid July. We'll put on the Knowles twenty four seven YouTube channel. Dude. Spoiler: It'll be a little bit different than what we normally do. So, like, I anticipate like a fair amount of people to freak out because it's not exactly what they're used to. It's not a recruit interview. No, it's not a recruit interview. It's not us talking here and on the bench. It's gonna be slightly different. So, hopefully, like, no one has a meltdown like last. Oh, it's almost the anniversary of Falk in the Road, guys. Happy anniversary. Um. Okay. Anyways, we we. Zach, myself, and Dane went out to Florida State's practice field and decided we were going to learn how to long snap with James Rosen. Attempt to learn how to long snap. That is a very good uh, clarification, Chris. We appreciate it. I do find that people generally as fans don't have a great understanding or grasp of like what they're watching, even on us, like I think as well, right? Like we, until one of these guys like runs into us on practice field or almost hits us, you don't realize how big and how fast like they actually are. So Long snapper, anyways, uh, not the the most coveted position in the world. And that's the one I think most fans, if someone screws up, start yelling out. You only had one job. Well, Zach, you can attest that job is extremely difficult, right? It almost killed all of us. Yeah. So that brings me to Dane's paleness. Uh, Dane was about to pass out just from bending down to snap the ball. He, yeah. Like, like he you, almost had a heat stroke, I think. You literally, you gave him your phone, your phone to record that you doing the long snapping he had to give his phone to krista the sports information director and go lay down and like sit in the shade because he was going to throw up his eyes he was like the opposite of a vampire like all around his eyes were red like he had it was like the inverse of a sunburn you know when someone's like all red and they had sunglasses on and it's white underneath this is the opposite it was all red around his eyes and the rest of him was sickly pale uh, Zach almost broke his shin, I think, trying to field one of the long snaps. Like it, it wasn't was, my fault. The, the welt too low. It was a poor effort to go down and get it. Being totally Dude, honest, reviewing, you understand how film. fast that ball is going. And that's the exact point. It is crazy. So, anyways, we'll have that content out. Chris is smiling because I think he's envisioning what it's going to look like, which is basically three slappies running around trying he's to. He's going to keep something. replaying the video of me getting like absolutely destroyed. Athletic, um, yeah, not 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 a great feat of athleticism all around, but checking on that in the middle of the month to see who won the long snapping competition between us. Magic White, Byer Sinone, FSU will sign another Shamanad kid in this class. Bye. I lean towards bye. I'll I'll go ahead and say I think JoJo Trader is the one to get the real shot at. Like one of JoJo Trader, Zaquan Patterson, and Jeremiah Smith. I'd buy that. Yeah, I think I think Jojo Schrader, I think they're in a really good spot for right now. With Saquon, he recently in an interview mentioned that FSU could be an official or most likely will be an official visit destination. I think Michigan was another one. He had most of them mapped out. I think Florida may have been one. I can't remember. I put it on the board. You can find it there. Um, FSU's done a good job of making up ground there. Mike Norvell's kind of taken the reins of that recruitment personally. I just wouldn't lean towards Saquon being a guy that I think would be in FSU's class as of today. I agree. I think uh, on the Jeremiah Smith note, I think they're actually continuing to to make up ground with him as well. I still expect him to end up at Ohio State, barring you know Brian Hartline, the receivers coach, leaving that school. Um, I think that would really shake things up in the recruitment. But if he stays in, stays put at Ohio State, I think Jeremiah Smith does as well. But if Jeremiah Smith reconsiders, I think FSU has as good a shot as anyone to. Uh, to flip him 
think that's another chip away. And, and if you start off the season well and then continue to be relevant on the national and the national discourse, like late in the year, that's that's one that you've positioned your ch- chance or yourself to have a chance, right? I, I think it's kind of similar as the KJ Bolden uh, recruitment. Uh, we're starting off strong. We'll have some level of significance. Uh, T Boston 99, Byers Sinone, regardless of who commits on July 4th, there will still be a bunch of complaining crybabies posting negative comments about our recruiting class. Um, also known, let's be honest, it's a small contingent that truly is griping beyond a reasonable gripe. And there are some reasonable gripes. We've discussed that. Before the landing of D.D. Holmes, defensive end recruiting at the high school level is something they had to prove more of. And they still have to prove more there, but D.D. Holmes is an excellent start. Linebacker recruiting, I understand why people don't like it. Uh, me and Zach had a very enjoyable, in-depth OTB conversation, what, two, three weeks ago about it. Some value it more than others. It's the we best should, way I think we can sum that up. We should do more OTB debates. I think people like that. We've, um, we've done OTB court with Trey as the judge doing a weird Southern No, but more like informal, you know what I mean? Like we bring up a topic and it's just Chris and I going at it for 30 minutes. I mean, I'll I, just I, hit record while you guys are on the bench in June and there you go. I think in general, fun. most people, I think the 75 day drought combined with a miss like Sandamella, success for Florida, and some other minor other things that went on here and there, you know, a Tite early in the month, but I wouldn't put him in the same category as Sandamella, so on and so forth, caused people to just kind of like let it build and let it come out. And it was, I don't want to use a mean word, but sort of idiotic in June, I guess is the best way I can put it. I think a lot of that has gone away. I think once a commitment happened, there was a release for most, and most people returned to the center. There's all there's always going to be a few on the extremes and some just troll to troll and they won't be posting here much longer. So that is what it is. Let's go. The Zandamella thing was the only one that really bothered me. Like if all the yeah, developments it was a mess. Yeah. yeah. He was a kid that FSU had positioned himself phenomenally well with, and he essentially took a visit to USC for that all to go away. And like I think that's maybe where some of the angst really started to pick up too, is like the fact like Alex Atkins is the one coach you like could could hang your hat on at all given times in the last couple of years of like, oh, he's out recruiting where FSU is. No matter so how good a coach is at recruiting, regardless of the institution, there's always going to be. There's going to be misses, right? And I can understand that and rationalize it. But I'm just saying like that was the one little data point in the last two months there. I was like, oh, OK, that's a little bit different. But again, I- I'm not going to. You know, we have a different vantage point than many other people do because of this being our jobs. So. Um, I'm glad that it's changed. I'm going to, I'm going to Sonone it as well. Uh, yeah, there'll always be some, some people who are complaining just to complain, but by and large, like the board has returned to, to normal. And it was a, a, uh, I think Chris said there were some raving lunatics, uh, in June. I think that was the best way to describe it. And it, it was, it was amped up. It was, it was pretty severe. So I'm glad it's back to normal. Uh, let's see. Big Buford Knoll, Byers Sonone, happier topics. Here we go. Having at least one hot dog on the fourth is mandatory. Bye. I think that's American. I'll buy. Bye. I saw this thing on Twitter, which I think came from TikTok, where you take a hot dog and you spiral it via cutting uh, technique. I've seen that, yeah. Doesn't that look legit? It's all caramelized in every single nook and cranny. Looks pretty good. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to try it. I have no clue what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I I figured Chris would think that was a bastardization of just probably eating a raw hot dog with some it's ketchup on it. Chris954. I like this question. It's a good talking point here. Byers Sinone, 
FSU should put, start putting more focus and resources into recruiting the DMV area, New Jersey, and North Carolina instead of Louisiana, Alabama, and Mississippi. Um, he, he had a follow-up too, but I, I, so that's the, the buyers known to it, which I think it's interesting. I think there's some, this will lead us into some big picture conversation about your recruiting footprint currently, uh, where it could be going, how long it'll take to go there, right? So like, I think first, um, I don't know if I can just give a, a straight buyers known to it, but like, I think part of this is contingent, like on, do you stay in the ACC? Do you move into the SEC or Big Ten in the next like two or three years? That's kind of what it it's contingent on. I I will say to an extent by I think DMV is an area that they're starting to get some traction in. You can see it in this class. I think it is an area that is ripe because the the NIL game in a lot of schools up that way in the Midwest aren't as uh, strong as what you have in the Southeast. So there's a chance to recruit some of those areas, but also like FSU is always going to be true to itself and, and where its recruiters have relationships, right? Like that's important. And Mississippi is a place where you guys, where you have guys who have relationships. Um, Louisiana with coach Yak, like that's a place that Florida state will always recruit as long as Yak is aboard. Mm, and Michael Patrick's Bell. on there too. Yeah. Yeah. So you have, you have Sertan who's going to have ties to that. And he played college ball at Southern Miss. So like you're going to, and you have multiple coaches who've coached at the Juco level in Mississippi. So it's a little bit of both. Um, curious to get your guys' thoughts, but I don't know if I can give a, a hard buyers to know one way or the other to it. I do think it it is kind of one of those like little in-betweens where you can start expanding uh, to some other areas that, that might be more vulnerable from a recruiting standpoint for regional teams. I think from a success hit rate capability, the Northeast would probably be the buy part of this because um, I understand that those three states, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, they are – difficult states go in and pull kids away from the home state schools it is sort of funny having this topic because they're about to get a commitment from each of those two areas that we're discussing here expected tomorrow one from alabama one from up there in the northeast of maryland um i think i i don't think you you lean one way or the other. i don't think you suddenly abandon the idea of the three relatively southeastern states to be more heavy in the northeast and i don't think you abandon the northeast to be more heavy in the southeast I think you got to keep going where the talent is and you just keep recruiting. It's not like FSU is the only one going to Northeast. I mean, Georgia, for example, is about to land Nair Daniels, who's from Jersey. So, you know, other schools are going up there. They're going to have success. But the DMV area is an area that FSU has had some great players from historically. Uh, Derek Naughty is one that comes to mind for me immediately. Obviously, EJ Manuel had ties up to that area, not so much DMV, but still the Virginia area. So, there have been plenty of good success stories for up there, up there for FSU, but there's a lot of staff ties for FSU in those three states that cause a lot of uh, just uncomfortability because of what the in-state schools tend to do with pulling the top prospects from the home state. Are we boring you, Zach? I saw a yawn. No, I'm dealing with, a, a, you know, recruit setting up a commitment date. Any sting operations that you're dealing with? Coming soon. <laughs> Zach Blowsting. I would be interested in getting your thoughts. Someone asked us on the board the other day. Um, let's say FSU theoretically gets into the SEC in the next few years. Would that, would you put more emphasis on recruiting, like say like, a, like where would that help you the most, I guess? Like what came to mind first, like I think that helps you close the gap in Mississippi, right? Like you can go ahead and get the best player out of the state of Mississippi rather than 
Ole Miss or Mississippi State being able to keep them. You could have some sway that like an Alabama has or Louisiana or LSU has to pull them out of state. But I'm curious to get your thoughts on like where would that help us you out the most geographically, regionally? SEC country. So yeah, Mississippi, um, Tennessee, parts of Alabama, maybe um, if you're, you know, doing have a better on-field product than, than Auburn. Um, maybe you sneak some some guys in from Louisiana that are talented enough, but that's always tough um, because LSU's, you know, always a pretty good program. They're never really um, down. And even when they're down, it seems like they still can recruit at a very high clip in that state. And if, yeah. they, don't, if they don't, then it's like Alabama coming in to take a guy. Yeah, I was just going to say, Louisiana sort of a state where LSU's first in pecking order, Bama's one that contests them, and Texas sometimes will nab a few too. But, yeah, it, it's kind of a tough state, state to bring in. I will say the regional thing, uh, historically with FSU landing some cats from the DMV, the, it's always been, well, we're going to play you know, Virginia or Virginia Tech or BC or Syracuse or somebody up in that region every other year. So mom and dad will certainly be able to see you then if they're not able to get Tallahassee more often. So if the footprint changes of where you're playing games, that is a selling point that goes with the footprint. Tangentially related, my wife and I got in a legitimate argument the other day whether Arkansas was considered in the Southeast or not. She kept saying it was Western, which she's one of the smartest people I know. Geography is awful for her. She's not good at that. Would you guys agree that, that Arkansas is Southeastern? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. I'd maybe listen to like, it's got some Texas, like Oklahoma, not Midwest, but like Southwest-ish kind of like regional, like Texas kind of vibe, but certainly not Western. Byer Sinone, winning the LSU game is more important than winning the first Clemson game. That is from NRG Null. Like the way he thinks, very optimistic there. Um, yeah, I, the earlier you can amass wins, I think it'll help you the most nationally and recruiting perspective, like starting important, more, more important than, than ending, uh, ending on a high note, I think, uh, from a recruiting standpoint. So yeah, being honest to you on national stage when you're the only show in town and what should be a top seven matchup. Uh, yeah, like that would buy that. That would be huge. Go ahead, Zach. I'm going to snow. I think conference games matter more. And I think FSU, you know, FSU beat LSU last year, right? If FSU loses to LSU and wins out the rest of their year, they're going to make the college football playoff. That means they'd probably have to beat Clemson twice if we're consider if we're going by NRG Knowles theory that it's going to be a rematch in the ACC championship game. I think that's just a way more important game, especially considering it's on the road. If you go into Death Valley and, and win that game, I think that's just a huge deal. Um and then you you get more of a neutral site, neutral site, quote unquote, um, for the ACC championship game. I think that's a more important game. FSU's lost seven in a row to Clemson. I think you got to get that monkey off your back. Also, 2013, uh, anybody that was there would remember that way FSU went into Clemson and won. Sort of was the emphatic statement of, hey, we're here and we're going to do some things. To me, this year's version of that game feels the same. Now, the the correct answer, NRG Null, is win both of them. But if you're playing, I, I buy that Clemson's more important than LSU. You guys are missing. You beat LSU, you lose Clemson, you win the redemption game in the ACC championship, and you make the playoffs. Yeah, and that that's a great scenario in its own right. But I, if I'm solely taking those two regular season games against each other, I'm going with Clemson. 
I understand what you're saying, Brendan, from a recruiting standpoint, like having that national momentum. But at the end of the day, Clemson dictates winning Clemson dictates how well, you know, your postseason aspirations can go like or how high they can go. Because, you know, you can beat LSU, lose to Clemson and then lose to Clemson again. That LSU game doesn't matter. Well, yeah, we're not counting for have guys. Have I ever been wrong about anything I've said on this team? Like maybe 200 times. Prove it. By Orsonone. Can't be off receipts. PCS Seminole. Both Abrams and McCoy stay in this class. That's so both of them. The way McCoy. I'll, I'll known that. I've always expected to lose at least one. Um, I, I made a comment yesterday on the message board that with recruiting these days, I always expect to lose two to three guys when you have 12 or 15 in a class already at this point in the year. It just feels like the natural order of things. I've always felt like one, if not both, of those receivers were highly likely as like if I was ranking that list of guys they could lose. Um, McCoy not really stepping on campus in June is a little bit concerning. Abrams, we'll see. Uh, that was definitely a little bit of a tedious situation. Felt uneasy before the official seemingly has calmed the waters some. But also, FSC is going to keep adding at that position. So, like, uh, you know, if, if someone wants to jump, they're going to jump. Because you got Camden Fryer, you got B.J. Gibson. We believe they're going to add Elijah Moore. That puts you at five receivers in the class, and it's not like they're stopping recruiting the position either. Yeah, they're they're obviously like JoJo Trader, um, Cam Coleman. Like, what was the update? Didn't wasn't there a really encouraging update on him from Will Fong the other day? Uh, I mean, I think the belief there is that it's FSU, Auburn, Texas A and M are in big three. I think he's gotten some Auburn crystal balls, or at least predictions in the industry here recently. I don't disagree with those. He's an extremely important recruit for Auburn. But he's always intended to get back to FSU for an official. He's also a kid that's never really spoken about being in much of a rush. Um, I think FSU would have a better chance in Texas A&M of being the school that can beat out Auburn. Yeah, FSU. My point being is that FSU is in a really good shape, a really in really good shape at wide receiver. Let's see. Did you answer it, Zach? Yes. I don't think he did. <laughs> Byron Sinone, Stan 21, uh, wants to know, FSU would allow all six to sign at wide receiver. That's kind of following up on that. Coleman, so if they get Coleman, Trader, get Jay Trader, Moore, assuming they get him, Camden Fryer, B.J. Gibson, and then Abrams and or McCoy. I mean, I, don't, I, I think I'd buy, yeah, I think FSU isn't going to say no to any of that particular talent, but those numbers usually tend to work themselves out. Okay, Berg. Just saying. Yeah, we've lost Zach. Sorry, a lot going on. No, okay, let's get out of here. I think we're done. That was the last question, and I'd rather make it seem like I'm pouting and upset than uh, just fizzle out that we're done. So for Zach Blossing, for Chris Nee, I want to give a shout-out to Chattanooga Whiskey and the Turner Group. Thanks to our sponsors for this episode. Thanks to everyone for submitting their buyer's known questions, especially the ones that we read. Those were the best of the best. I have a safe and happy 4th of July, everyone. Enjoy a hot dog or two, and maybe enjoy some fireworks. Sticking the landing.
Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.